Supreme excellence is the highest ideal. It is the highest quality that one could ever aim at. It's extreme connection with my purpose in life, physical, mental, social development, transcended by my inner knowing, my spiritual essence. Put women on a pedestal of goddessness just because they are in fact women. No, they must earn that status by showing, as a man must show, their principles, their values. Perfection is the process. Supreme excellence is the process. Never be done, never over, and commit. <laughs> What to do if you're lost on the path of supreme excellence? First off, what is that? That is the journey of mastering oneself. Your purpose, physical, mental, social development, transcended by your inner knowing, what I refer to as the temple. Bringing the best of yourself. Love, peace, and joy. Serving the beings of this world. Feeling connection. Feeling fulfilled. Feeling as if you have meaning in this life. This is the path of supreme excellence. And in today's podcast, I want to contrast a message sent in by one of my clients. At the moment, just for context, Towards the end of 2023, in the last few days, most of my sessions with my clients are centering around a review of their entire year. And I've also been receiving, uh, I've received a message from a very disillusioned being, a young man who is a bit lost, a bit retarded in his own words, feeling a little bit retarded. I mean that in a very uh, classic sense. I mean that in a very social sense in which that he's just lost for what it means to be interacting as a man with women. His masculine to feminine dynamics is uh, shaky at best and worrying. Very worrying, and I have not responded to his email because I wanted to sit down today's podcast to contrast what one of my clients who has got his path set out for him, laid out for him, and he's walking the good path, I would say, and then someone who is completely lost, someone who has absolutely no idea of what the path of supreme excellence looks like, and to contrast these two things, start off with that, move in a little bit more throughout today's session, and just outline what it means to have a strong vision and a a guidance when it comes to purpose, physical, mental, social development, transcended by your knowing the temple. Let's do it. So the first story I want to share with you guys is from a young gentleman who is very much lost in the social world. I will refer to him as X to retain the privacy. He's somewhere in the Western world, somewhere in his young 20s, keeping these things pretty aloof. This is a very intimate email, very long email, so I'm not going to share all of it, just the prime parts, the relevant parts to today's podcast. Also, just for a bit of context, I've really only seen him about two or three times across the last few years. Uh, we don't have an intimate relationship by any means necessary. And I wouldn't necessarily refer to him as one of my clients, but someone who has definitely used my service before. And I had previously told him that he needed to take a break from social dynamics because of his mindsets were getting quite loose. He was getting quite uh, fragmented and destabilized in the world of social dynamics. So I said, you need to stop. And you, when you do feel ready to come back, when you feel like you've centered yourself, then you would need to enlist in the coaching services of someone in person because he was definitely bordering on that danger line of where that if he was to go out on his own, something could go wrong. Uh, just not because I feel like he's an inherently a malevolent person, but because he's so lost when it comes to social dynamics, the moral line between what is right and wrong can get blurred uh, between those who are just just lost, essentially. So that's a little bit of context on him and his email begins about halfway here saying, Adam, I'm finding it hard to take a break and mainly focus on cultivating myself roundly. I feel like I'm addicted and retarded at times. I'm starting to feel deep resentment towards girls and women because mostly all of them fail to show any signs of empathy or directness or congruency. I'm really starting to think that all women are stupid and it is due to many factors, but I'm also realizing that because of where I live, which I feel is a really stupid place. I want to go to far places and see how people reflect me given the different circumstances. I like Roosh V because he is accurate in that women are bad nowadays. How will sex be a reflection of who you are or where you have come to be 
when there is lots of women out there that will have sensual process of sex with you solely because you have status. Pause there. What he's referring to is some content that I've made that says sex is, is effectively a reflection of who you are. The people that you're having sex with is a reflection of who you are, essentially. Coming back, we'll discuss that later in the podcast. Coming back to his message here, he says, even though who you are, not that status mask, is an idiot underneath. Okay, that's. I think he's reflecting on himself there. I'm reminded of my first girlfriend where she liked me because I had status, where we used to see each other, where she kept proceeding with me even though I didn't have an inch of moderate completeness. Adam, what do you suggest I do? Should I structure my social dynamics practice or do you see that I really need a one-on-one coach to supervise what the hell I'm doing? I feel like my urgency to have sex with women is very high right now and I'm close to it, but I don't know if that will be a volcano once I get lots of sex down the road. I find most people now crazy because they're driven by a bigger puppeteering system that you don't even see. And it's just making the whole vibe really poor. Please let me know what your thoughts on this slash my current state of being or the questions I've asked above. Do you think I'm ready now or someone else can be my coach, whether online or in person? Thank you very much, Scientist name. Hopefully you've been able to digest that. Now I want to move to the contrasting story. So the context here is this is from one of my clients who I've worked with at a very intimate level over the last couple of years. We did an emergent social dynamics program earlier this year, which is two weekends back to back, an absolute onslaught of day and night training back to back. And he's had a bit of a break the last three months because he had a major foot injury, but he's overall on the path of supreme excellence, developing himself into a man, much more than just social dynamics, although that is integral to it. It is about his entire temple. So uh, he wanted to do an end of year review, as I do of all my intimate clients, and he had sent in some voice notes, which I'd taken some written notes down to prepare for our session. I just want to cover these briefly, but most importantly, get to the social dynamics goal here. But just to give you an idea of like how a lot of my clients think about their development when we're talking about the path of supreme excellence, he's coming in here, who do I want to be in 2024? That is the theme. Who do I want to be in 2024? Number one, physical strength, mobility, rebuild my body, resistance training, yoga. Number two, being fulfilled, joyously, infectiously excited, joyful and infectiously excited for life. Meet new people, go on adventures, you know, at least scheduling meetups with my friends every time per month, once per month, less screen usage, socially connect, meditation, be a competent and technical leader at work, and then social dynamics here. To feel like someone who is free and liberated, who can interact with anyone, anywhere, at any time, to be able to bring my love, peace, and joy to any interaction that I encounter, and regardless of what happens, to sustain my positivity, joy, and fun. To feel a sense of competence in myself as a man and to be able to bring the type of relationships into my life that I desire. That is who I want to be in 2024. This podcast is brought to you by BoldDojo.com where you can book one-on-one coaching with myself in order to create action plans, overcome limiting beliefs, destroy negative self-perceptions and egoic attachments. Have a listening ear to the trials of your life helping you to move forward. You can also sign up for the free weekly email newsletter, The Bowl Sip. It's just a quick sip of social dynamics and anything I'm exploring on Fridays. Just go to boldojo.com, sign that up. You can also hit up the free resources of wisdom where I drop my favorite books, movies, quotes, anime, documentaries, music, all of that, all at boldojo.com. And if you would like to help support this podcast, you can donate anything that you wish through the PayPal link, paypal.me forward slash ADAMOOI. Link is down below in the description or you can also donate directly through the website, also linked down in the description. Anything that you guys do donate is always extremely appreciated and just goes back to helping support the show and what I do here. So thank you very much. And if you do get anything from this piece of content, please let me know in a comment down below. I'll do my best to get back to you as soon as possible. And also please drop a thumbs up on the video. It just helps the YouTube algorithm, helps send out the video to more people in the community. And if you find that you resonated, share it with a friend who you think would resonate as well. Let's get into today's show. 
Okay, so let's get a little summary on that, although there's not much to summarize other than the fact that you have client Z here, let's just refer to him as that, maintaining privacy, who is extremely clear on his path to manhood, his supreme excellence, his journey of supreme excellence, his temple development. And he's very aware about what needs to be improved, whether that's on a physical domain, a domain for life, a, a thirst for life, a, a joy for life, a la joie de vivre, as the French would say. You know, his goals socio-dynamically are so vastly disparate compared to what was seen in client X, who is someone who is in a something of a fire, a psychological fire. You have a psychological fire versus a clear, clear path, a clear pool from which someone is drawing from. That is what I'm seeing here in the contrast. And I want to get two specific quotes here to really drill this in. When client X, who's extremely lost, says that, I'm really starting to think that all women are stupid, but it's due to many factors. You know, I'm developing deep resentment between or towards girls and women, mostly because they fail to show any signs of empathy, directness, or congruency. And then you compare that to client Z, who says that his social dynamic goals are to feel like someone who is free and liberated, who can interact with anyone, to be able to bring my love, peace, and joy to any interaction, interact with anyone, anywhere, at any time, to, regardless of what happens, sustain my positivity, joy, and fun, competence as a man, be able to bring the type of interaction and the type of relationship into my life that I desire. You just compare these two different things and what you see is just this gulf, a deep chasm between the life position, socially position of these two different gentlemen. And I would say that they're actually of a very similar age. They're both in their 20s, both very different life experiences, different ethnic backgrounds, that's for sure. But just the fact that you can see two very different paths here, I think is illuminating. It's very illuminating to me as a coach because- what leads someone to enter a path of such disillusion that they're starting to resent an entire species, sex grouping of people, and then you have a different person who is in a complete embracement of all people, all people, but more socially specific, a complete embracement of a deep feminine body. Because while you may not have heard there that uh, any explicit because those are really just the cliff notes we'll we'll dive much deeper into in our actual one-on-one sessions but when he says i want to bring in the relationships i desire that would encompass and encapsulate all of the feminine sexual energy whether that's with his mother relationship with sister with friends sexual intimate relationships it's an incomplete encirclement of what an engagement between a masculine and feminine being would be between a man and a woman and that's where you want to be. You know, I think it's pretty self-explanatory that if you're looking at these two different situations between client Z and client X, it's very obvious who you would rather be, but maybe not so obvious as to how those two got there. And not just why they got how they got there, but why they're choosing to persist and maintain those two different paths. And I feel like now we can get a little bit granular on client X. Client X. With client X... He's asking me for advice on what I should, on what he should do. Should he continue going out for social dynamics? Could it, should he continue uh, with a coach? And based on what I've heard from you, X, in your wider email, obviously I haven't shared that in this entire podcast because the rest of it is not particularly relevant. Uh, it's also very long. But to the parts that are poignant and relevant to today's podcast, I still don't think that you are fit to be practicing cold social dynamics with your current mindset. I feel like that you have degenerated even further from when I last spoke to you, which was many months ago now. If you're in a position in which that you're resenting women, 
there are some coaches and some voices out there that would actually position you towards this mentality that would push you in that direction that thrive on creating a rift and a friction and a tension and a conflict between men and women that that is their shtick that is their thing and that that is their philosophy towards life that you know women are stupid women are uh, uh, frivolous and superficial and don't have any great meaning to them and so as a man you should be looking to just take what you can get dominate you know see them as such see them as such lowly beings that is some people's mentalities it's certainly not my mentality and uh, i hope no one would cut that as a clip and then take it out of context listening to the full podcast here that is the antithesis of my perception towards feminine beings the for clear stating here x and for everyone else listening my thesis towards the dance of masculine and feminine energies that is in fact a dance. It is a dance of honor and respect in both directions. That first off, from a very fundamental philosophical level, we come into this life together. We come into this life as a perfectly balanced cooperation of masculine and feminine energy. Our experiences through our life can see that undone and can see that maligned and twisted and uh, warped into something very toxic but as pure children coming into this life our masculine feminine connection is intact and i feel like we realize the best of ourselves we realize the benefits and the you know i talk about supreme excellence so much we realize our supreme excellence in connection with our harmonizing energy with our feminine energy if you're a masculine and if you're a female uh, feminine energy with your masculine you know no one's an island energetically yin and yang sun and moon hot and cold, all these polars. These polars come together to create something that individually could not be experienced respective to that person, to that one on their own. We live in connection. So that's where I would start with a thesis towards feminine energy. And so that's very philosophical. And now we make that a little bit more micro or a little bit more tactical. What does that mean in my day-to-day interactions as a man looking towards women, which is that I hold women with the utmost respect, with the utmost regard, and it is earned. Absolutely, it is earned. It's not, as, it's not just that we put women on a pedestal of goddessness just because they are in fact women. No, they must earn that status by showing, as a man must show, their principles, their values, how they purport to carry themselves in this world, their character, the thread, the fiber of their threads, their spiritual essence, right? Do they have any principles that align with you? And that's when you start to realize because obviously everyone's going to have a very different a perception on what all the things I just said. You know, someone might value being a, a fat fuck. You might value being a fat fuck. You might value being someone who pleasures and uh, gains great value and instrumental, not even just instrumental, but inherent value in tearing down others and being negative. And you know, if that's you, then okay. You might find value in someone else who's like that. I certainly don't. I look for people who value, uh, aligned with my values of being a direct, congruent, authentic man with empathy. Someone that is always on the path of evolution, someone that is always recognizing a nice copious balance between humility and kindness, compassion. Right? You have compassion for those that are around you, for the state of suffering, for the nature of suffering, for the nature of life, da-da-da, all goes on, etc. Those are the values that I'm looking for. I'm looking for that to align with me in another person. And so being a woman, being a man, doesn't inherently mean that uh, they should be endowed with a certain level of, I don't even know what you would... What the idea is, but the idea is certainly that not that they are the opposite. You would not, I would not encourage that all women 
are to be seen as lowly beings until proven otherwise? How about a neutral standpoint, which is that I walk through the world and I realize or I adorn a mindset, which is that people are neutral until proven otherwise. It seems like a very common sense mentality to me. I'm not sure how, why it's so attractive. Why is it so attractive, X, that you would come from a negative position? That's something that you need to question within yourself. And I think that just really speaks to a deep pain and a deep hurt within yourself. Men that have gone through experiences, and yeah, fair play. If you've gone through an experience where you've been uh, egregiously cheated on, abused by a woman in some way, shape, or form, psychologically, physically, or sexually, whatever it may be, it's understandable why you might form a certain perception, particularly if you're a male who has pretty low value to, to offer. Like if you don't, if you want to get a little bit, let's look at it here. Let's look at it. Let's, let's, there's, there's this rift between how I perceive a human's value and how maybe mainstream media would deliver that to you. So for me, I always am evaluating based on the temple. I'm evaluating based on what sense of purpose do you have in your life? To what degree have you refined your physical capacities and abilities? To what degree have you sharpened your mental acuity? To what development is your and whole roundedness and uh, and <laughs> sorry, I froze my WhatsApp just uh, went off there. The word I was looking for there was, I guess, the depths of social ability and attainment and. It's, it's, there's almost like I'm stuck for a word there, but it's, you know, to what degree are you socially competent, essentially? And then transcended by all of that, have you found your inner peace? Are you at peace? When I talk about the spiritual knowing in the temple, and I think towards the end of today's podcast, I'll, I'll do my best to remember to go a little bit more in depth through all these different sections of the temple. But when we're talking about inner knowing, it's really just being at peace with your position in the universe with the essence of who you are as a human being, you know, removing the, removing the fragrant flowers of your ego and seeing the soil beneath. Putting this all together, that is, to me, that is at least how I like to evaluate myself and evaluate other beings. I don't like to evaluate other beings based on the metrics of their financial status, by on the metrics of what kind of car they drive or what house they live in or uh, what they wear on their wrist, what watches on their wrist. What I would prefer is to see the essence of the human being in general. And so what that would push you towards is a much deeper understanding of humanity. See, if if you take a mindset X of that, I'm feeling deep resentment towards women and that I feel like they're just stupid beings. It's very shallow and it's uh, it's childish. It's very immature. It's just psychologically underdeveloped at the, and that's very nicely putting it. It's very nicely putting it. It's it's, it's just an immature mindset. It's a very hurt mindset because it's too easy to just walk around throughout your life and say that well, women are stupid and women aren't worth my time and because women aren't empathetic and congruent and because they're only chasing status, then I, you know, I'm that's beneath me. That's beneath me, and so. If I just apply that label to all beings, then I can just walk an easier life. It's too easy. It's too easy. And it always relegates you to a imprisonment, to an imprisoned life of which that you are not challenged to have to seek and find and understand the depths of a person in front of you. It just It's a blanket rule. It's a heuristic. It's a shortcut to living your life that allows you to enable your deep, deep-seated pain. It is an enablement pattern. It is a... Is very much a protection mechanism in the classic sense that Freud would have 
uh, espoused in which that you are by applying a mindset to women that they're not worth pursuing because they are frivolous beings because they are um you know as you said stupid beings if you're just going to take that mindset then i i just wonder to what depths have you excavated the hurt and the pain within yourself to have chosen such a fallacy such a falsehood of a mindset because that's so untrue that all you would have to do is look at my wife it's like if you think that all women if you're gonna apply a mindset that all women are stupid beings and should be treated accordingly it's like then what are you saying about my wife then or my mother my wife my wife and my mother are the two greatest females i've ever met in my entire life and some of the greatest human beings i've ever met in my entire life and i hold them with the utmost respect and regard they are central pieces in my life and have provided great wisdom, great comfort, great love, great intense love. We need to talk about the intensity of love. How could you have experienced such an intensity of love if you are going to pigeonhole and box women into a uh, inferiority complex? You know, what, what, how, how could you ever experience love again, I would say? And so just that, coming back, I know we're getting off on tangents, just that in and of itself though, X, should show you that if there are men simply just take this premise if there are men is it true that there are men that have female partners whether it be intimate or familial that provide them great value and that they respect and honor is there any man in the world that does that well you know there's one here sitting in front of you talking to you now so if that is the case then it cannot be true the conclusion that you have seemed to arrived at, which is that all women are stupid and that are not worth pursuing essentially because they are, uh, I keep using the word frivolous. It's a good word, but it's not the word you used. Stupid beings is the word you used. But I just, even that word is just hard for me to say. It's hard for those words coming in my mouth because they're so inaccurate. Then that your conclusion is wrong, which means your premises must also be wrong, right? Your logic is incorrect. Have you, even just by asking, have you met every woman in the world now you might say it's a bit of a straw man because you don't need to have met every woman in the world to maybe have come to a conclusion that maybe all women are stupid you know because you maybe you're being a little bit too strict on the burden of proof for that particular premise but i would say you need to get pretty damn close it's like have you met all the women but there's so many problems with that because it's going that okay so let's say that you were eggs let's follow your path your logical conclusion there of behavior which would be okay so you're going to set out and go and meet as many women as you can to find out if they are stupid if they are not worth pursuing because you have come in with that uh, preconception you have a preconceived idea of what women are you are only going to find that information you are predisposed to seeking out a biased confirmation of what you already believe so this is why it's a a self-fulfilling prophecy of the worst kind, of a negative kind, of a detrimental kind, destructive kind. If you believe that women are stupid and not worth pursuing, then you will only see that in all that's around you. Whereas if you take maybe the mindset of client Z, who is embracing, has the embracement mindset, who is going that I want to make 2024 a year of love, peace, and joy, positivity, infectious joy for life. What do you think he's going to find? Will he still incur women that are of a low value and that have toxic mindsets and that are not worth the time of day? Yes, yes. But what will he also find is the complete opposite. He will find alignment. Seek and you shall find. 
It's an old adage and it's an old adage for a reason. It's the reason why people have been saying it for thousands of years and it's because there is some truth to it. You will find what you are looking for. If, his, if you are looking for a joyous, fun experience in women, then you will find that. Will it be all you find? No. But will you find it? Yes. Will you find a joyous, harmonizing, loving, fulfilling, strengthening relationship, evolutionary relationship with feminine beings if you take the mindset, women are stupid, women are to be resented? Then no. You, there is no possibility. There is no possible realization and manifestation of any kind of reality in your life in which that you will find a woman that will blow your mind and that will take you to the next strata of psychological evolution if you hold a mindset simultaneously that women are to be resented because they're stupid. They are incompatible mindsets. They are mutually exclusive. You cannot turn left and right at the same time. So X, I hope that I have fully excavated here and espoused why your mindset precludes you from at least my approval as a coach of social dynamics since 2015 for the better part of the last, what's that, three years now, uh, sorry, eight years now, I wouldn't want anyone going out with a mindset that resents women and that sees them as stupid beings because you are only going to find that and that you are only going to manifest the according behaviors that would see you enter some very dark places. Like Those mindsets alone are extremely dark, but acted upon could lead you down a pathway of true sociopathy, sociopathic behaviors of psychopathic behaviors. You know, I'm very worried. I'm very worried for any man, for any man that harbors a deep resentment between or towards all females. Any man who harbors deep resentment towards all females is opening up the pathway to extremely malevolent behavior. And I can only hope that it only stays within yourself. But you know, human beings are leakage, leakers. We are leakers and we experience leakage. You know, whatever psychological tension or conflict that you find dwelling and residing within you in the deep recesses of your psyche will eventually manifest. You know, they will they will project in some way, shape, or form. And I can only hope that no one else gets hurt X as a result of your mindsets because you are hurting yourself, no doubt. You are hurting yourself, no doubt. And then if you just contrast, flip that over to client Z, who is emboldening himself, who is enriching himself, encouraging himself to not only heal, but to grow and play. There's stages of life that you'll go through as a man if you've been through some pretty rough experiences relationship-wise. Yes, you first must heal, but it it can't just be all healing. You know, people get stuck in a perpetual cycle of healing, which eventually starts to create more pain in and of itself. There needs to be an evolution from recognizing the darkness that exists within clawing that up and wrenching it up to the surface of the ocean and then setting it free and then going to swim about in the rest of your life to explore the rest of the world in play and in growth and in fun and you know life as the buddha once said is that life is a condition of suffering and has a condition of suffering you know you hear that term life is suffering it's not explicitly what he said that's one english transaction uh, translation but that the nature of life is that suffering is unavoidable unavoidable yeah but just because suffering is unavoidable does not mean that a pursuit of joy and happiness and fulfillment and deep satisfaction in things that are not merely instrumental but inherent, things such as love. Love is inherent, in my opinion. Love is not merely instrumental to other things. It can be, but it is inherent to me as a quality that in and of itself is worth having. In and of itself is worth pursuing. Okay, taking a step back there, 
I think now we can transition today's podcast. I think I've railed these two enough. Uh, obviously, one of my clients here is going to be experiencing great growth and great production and experience when it comes to social dynamics. That's client Z, client X. You really shouldn't be going out meeting anyone until you can get to a place of love, peace, and joy. Love for the journey, a peace of the outcome, and a joy for doing the damn thing. Love, peace, and joy. That's it. Now, moving to the path of supreme excellence, because I think that's really that was really where I was aiming to take today's podcast in a much wider sense is what does it mean to be on the path of supreme excellence what is the temple because as few of my clients have been looking for a little bit more guidance in terms of long-form content on what this actually means and i think it'd be very good to rehash and just i've spoken about it many times throughout the years but uh, probably not in one explicit podcast so not for any great deal of time so the path of supreme excellence to me, what is that? It's the journey of mastering oneself. Supreme excellence is the highest ideal. It is the highest quality that one could ever aim at. That whatever your proverbial mountain peak is, that is your supreme excellence. And that it is really crucial to note, for those who have a perfectionist complex, that supreme excellence will never be done. It's never a full, there's never a finite point in which that you will realize supreme excellence. It is the process itself. For those that would like to go back to my short film, What is a Man? A film that, what was that, four years ago now, something like that? Three, four, five years ago? I said, effectively, what does it mean to be a man? A man is a process, a man is a journey. A man is a journey. You can delineate between feeling like someone is a man, someone has achieved manhood, man state, and then realizing that there are levels to that game. Yeah, I feel like that's a, it's a nice way of looking at it, which is that it's very clear when someone is or is not a man, but it is not so clear when that has been attained. And that is something that I would love for you to, anyone listening, to dive into. And for my female listeners uh, who are listening to this, I would love for you to evaluate your masculine partners based on this criteria as well. Also, there's this generally speaking human principles. Womanhood and being a woman will have different parameters for sure, but generally speaking, purpose, physical, mental, social development, transcendent, and inner knowing, those are human principles. I am, of course, a man and a masculine being, so I talk from that perspective, and I know that most of my listeners, or I'd say at least 80%, 70 to 80% are masculine listeners. So take it how you will, just reinterpret it for yourself. But now that those caveats are done, moving back to the main point here, the path of supreme excellence is in fact a path that never ends. It is a mentality. It is a mindset that you take towards the development of mastering yourself. The reason for this is because it is uh, fallible and just farcical to believe that you would ever reach a point where you could say, I'm truly done, that I'm fully refined i am fully com- fully competent to the point of no improvement and that yes that's all that's put the full stop there that's just wrong it's just wrong in my opinion there's always going to be point for evolution and point for improvement so i just want to add in that little bit before in which that yes there is this idea of which that it's very clear when someone is a man so to speak what i'm saying is a man but is he done as a man is is a different thing. So hopefully you can see the two different delineations there. There's a minimum threshold, which I would say is, does this person even know what they're doing in his life? Is this person have any form of purpose? Is this person 
actively engaged in his physical, mental, social development trend? And is he working on his spiritual uh, entanglement, his spiritual realizations, his spiritual enlightenment? I would say when someone starts to put together some form of competence, a, a, a form of competence that is no longer, I guess you could look at that, a transition from incompetent to competent, right? Even just consciously competent in those areas, that's when you start to get this essence and this vibe that this person is really, he's moving towards supreme excellence here. He's really on that path and he really starting to feel like he's becoming a man here. He's taking responsibility for himself. You know, responsibility should be an addiction for someone that is achieving a mature state of psychology. Taking on the, as Jordan Peterson would say, a maximal point of responsibility, someone that would default to accountability for all things in their life, that to me is really starting to encapsulate the way of being. You know, when I look at uh, from the writings of Miyamoto Masashi in the Book of Five Rings, that's his actual uh, passing down of lessons, to Eiji Yoshikawa's uh, retelling of his life in the famous Miyamoto Masashi uh, novel, which is fantastic. I feel like that story in and of itself, if you are looking for a narrative of going from boy to man, the story and life of Miyamoto Masashi is that in and of itself. It's an absolute monster. I think it's like five to 600 pages by Eiji Yoshikawa, but it's my one of my absolute favorite books of all time that shows this ruffian, this, what could you say, a, a tender boy at most who is frivolous in and of himself, who is uh, self-serving in and of himself, who has no idea of the path of mastery who goes through such trial and hardship and comes out the other end to realize that his development as a man is primary and nothing will ever supplant that, nothing will ever overtake that. And so realizing that, realizing that your path of supreme excellence is at the core essence of who you are, if that's installed and implemented from the very beginning, then it would be primed that you would then ask, what would I do with such excellence? Let's put that question to you, my friends. Say that you've installed your mentalities, you're on the path of supreme excellence, you're developing yourself as a man, as a human being. Why? What is the purpose of that? Why is that an inherent good? Why is that something worth having, valuable? Because of what you would do with such excellence. If not for the betterment and the service of other people, it seems pretty redundant. It seems pretty not worth doing. Not worth doing because so difficult. A path that is so difficult where every single day you have to be accountable and responsible for who you are, for the entire array of your temple from the purpose, physical, mental, social development and your spiritual knowing, your inner knowing, that's too difficult to be self-serving as an inherent thing in that I would only do this because of vanity because of ego fulfillment. For me personally, I found that the only way to stick to such rigorous discipline, whether it's cold plunging in the ocean, ice baths, cold showers, physical training, clean clean nutrition, sharpening my mind, right, Push, pushing forward in my knowledge endeavors, my wisdom endeavors through business and through education, and through refining my relationships and learning to transcend the masculine to feminine dynamic that sees them play off against each other and this 
vicious battle of destruction that you're seeing uh, client X go down and realizing that it's actually, it's a dance, it's a beautiful expression and that the best of ourselves are to be realized in connection with each other. To go through all those things and to make sure that you're operating on those principles from the day to day is something that requires extreme commitment that cannot just be for my own self-service because it's just why. It's like, if it's not for the abandonment of other people, why? Why would you do these things? How would you do these things? You know, it's easy to say that I want to make money, I want to get ass, and I want to have sex with as many people as possible because it's going to make me feel better. It's going to make me feel like a real G. It's going to make me feel like I'm better than other people. You can see why people would do that because that is attractive. That is illustrious. That is, uh, it's, it's very beautifully feathered. And it's something that you would love to stroke again and again, day after day. But we all know the deleterious effects of that. We all know that the path of self-service only leads to destruction. We, but we know that when you end up at the end of your life, when you're on your deathbed, your regrets will be that you did not spend enough time living your most authentic life in true authentic connection with who you are, that you spent so much time chasing the temporaneous and eth- illusory things of this life. The things that will come and go, the things that really provided no extra value to the beings of this world, but only sought to masquerade as a comfort for your existence in this life. We know those things will be your regrets, but what we know will not be a regret of yours at the end of your life is that you lived in true peace. How would one get to such peace? Through authenticity, through values, through principles. You know, I know the most most of the people listening to my podcast are between that 18 to 40 year old range, but really meaty sitting between 18 to 30. And you're you're in your first cycle of life. And when you're in your first cycle of life, like I've only just turned 30, I've always felt a lot older than 30, just in the way that I perceive life, but I'm physically only 30 years old. And I've just gone through my first cycle of life. You know, if you're going to expect to live somewhere between uh, 70 to 100 years, you know. For those in that, that stage, like you're still living very hedonically, you're still living very superficially, you're still living for the thrills because everything's still very new. But I think what you start to realize as you mature and you gain wisdom throughout life is that there is a very repetitious nature to the ephemeral things of this world. You know, the rubies and the diamonds of this world that will perish and that will come and go. The validation validation from things and people comes and goes these things they start to lose their charm after a cycle or two of life and you can choose at some point to opt in or opt out of that mentality you can choose to opt out of well from the pizza the chocolate the the fast sex the fast food the fast porn the fast social media the fast ways of thinking the fast the fastness if you can do away with the fastness of your superficial life and get to a depth get to a slow depth this this painstaking slow speed this turtle like speed in which that it is almost mind deleting how slow you have to wind down the process of your life to realize what the true essence of it is it's only when you take away the phones and the internet and these cameras and the podcasts and you 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 dislocate yourself from all of these technological advances and you just sit each day in meditation 
in connection with your family, at the beach, in the forest, in the river, even just doing your work, right? Just doing whatever you're doing, doing the, 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 the painting of the fences and the raking of the leaves. It's in the slow depths of life that you start to appreciate what it really is. You're so much of life that we have constructed for ourselves as 21st century human beings is a fastness. It's a fastness that ramps everything up to such a speed that you cannot truly understand what it is or who you are. When you operate at such a pace in which that to the next thing, to the next thing, to the next thing, I wake up so I can go do this, so I can go do that. And it's just this from one day to one week to one month to one year, it's always the next thing. It's never appreciating what is at now. It's never appreciating the depths and really sucking in the juices of the experience that endows you now, that adorns you now, that encapsulates you now. Because it's all going to be done at some point. And then I think you will look back on your life and you'll go, I think I spent too much time moving to the next thing. I spent too much time focusing on the things that took me away from now. And I think that that's what supreme excellence comes back to is that supreme excellence to me, when I've met the most supremely excellent people of I've never met in my life, are the people that can appreciate now that aren't constantly looking for the next thing or for something outside of themselves to distract themselves from the pain inside. You know, it's not that being supremely excellent is this idea of no pain, no worries, all good. No. Supreme excellence is a path of pain. It is a path of pain, but it is a path of pain that is allocated and chosen. It's the chosen path of pain that you have invited into your life. And there is a very big difference because what is pain? What is it? Pain is a perception. When you are experiencing pain, there is no doctor in this world that can cut you up and take pain out of you and show it to you in a jar. Pain is an electrical signal communicated and interpreted as a perception to stop you from doing something. Right? If you are experiencing pain in your foot because you broke it, it is because you are not, your body is telling you that you are not meant to be moving that. We need to immobilize this so that we can deliver the necessary white blood spells and platelets, etc., to repair and begin the recovery process. Stop moving, and the only way to stop moving is make it so unbearably painful so that you will actually listen. Isn't that such a great metaphor for life, though? <laughs> Unless my camera is just about to die, the battery, so let me change batteries and we'll go on with that. The metaphor of pain of life. For the client who came in here saying that, I want, that I'm starting to resent women deeply because I feel like they're stupid beings, how can that not hurt? How can that not hurt? You might return to me by saying that, well, it hurts. I'm in pain as of itself, which is leading to that. So now we're going to follow a path of pain. Now we're going to follow the trail of pain that would lead you to these mindsets. Keep isolating the sources of pain and you'll find out what you do or do not need to do. That is such a... I just remember when my early journey of social dynamics when I was the guy who was spending his Saturday and Friday nights alone with the pizza in the pain bag playing Call of Duty. No dates, no sex. No relationships, no deep and meaningful development as a man. Just lost, as lost as this guy was. Essentially, just not as deleterious, just not as destructive in a mindset. I never once thought that women were uh, not worthy of respect, but but still very lost. And I worked, worked out that the reason why I'm so lost is because I'm ignoring the pain. I am medicating the pain with pizza, with Call of Duty, right, porn. And so if you were to ask yourself, well, how can I stop feeling this pain? Well, let me address the source of it. Let me address why I feel this way. I feel this way because I feel incompetent, because I feel like I'm afraid of meeting women and exacting my intent, exacting my masculine energies, my masculine values. So maybe I should go and learn that. Maybe you should go and learn the very thing that you are afraid of. Maybe you should go and address the very thing that is causing you the most pain. 
maybe that would be a good path. I don't know. I don't know. I'm surely, I'm surely not in a position to be telling you how to live your life. Other than that, if you're going to do something that I can foresee causing other people pain, I will happily step in and say you should not do that. Right? You, for example, Vex, you should not be going out meeting people if you resent them. Yeah. Okay. So that's. I want to get back on. Uh, there was something that occurred to me while I was just resetting the battery. As I cycle back in this podcast to the path of supreme excellence and developing this, okay, so now we've gone through the mindsets of it all. We're looking at what that looks like. We're looking at developing yourself. We're looking at morality, values. We're looking at structure of character, structure of character, accountability, responsibility. We're talking about that. Now I want to follow into uh, this whole temple thing because I definitely want to explain this. I definitely want to get into this into quite a granular level. At, at the real fibers of what it means to develop yourself as a temple. So for those that have never heard the temple analogy, what this is, is that I see the development of who you are can be very much broken down into erecting a temple. So take yourself into this uh, God-forsaken, overrun jungle that is just absolute chaos and danger and dest- at every corner there is something that is willing to destroy you. And so your job is to go in there and first clear that land. Clear that land so that you can develop a temple. What that analogizes to in your life is that whatever the things that are currently destroying your life stop doing them stop doing them clear that shit out okay and let's replace those things with something we actually desire which is foundational principle-based development-based modes of thinking and behaving that is the temple the temple is a external manifestation that encompasses what i would i see as the Key critical aspects of human development. Having a purpose, physical, mental, social development translated by your knowing. Let's start back at the purpose. Purpose always comes first. And these are hierarchical, by the way. I say these things in that order for a reason. The reason why your temple... And so let's go back to the story for a second. So we cleared out, we cleared out the jungle. We got our open space, our clearing in the jungle. And so we're going to lay the foundations. The foundations of anyone's temple should be their purpose. Why you are alive. There is no point in going to the gym... And lifting weights, doing Muay Thai, doing Jiu-Jitsu, reading books, going to seminars, going out meeting women, attracting a different partner, trying to work on your business, trying to get money, get cars, etc. There's no point in doing any of those things, and some of those things I wouldn't even approve of, but there's no point in doing those things if you don't understand why you're doing them. Because at some point, you will meet with such a travesty, you will meet with such a terrific and horrific experience in your life that you'll be brought to your knees and you will suffer to such a degree that only the deepest of wise and the most connected reason for living will get you through it you will meet with moments in life where you will either be in a car accident or you lose a child or your parent falls ill unexpectedly and that person the most cherished person in your life is taken away from you that your best friend takes his own life that your your village may be bombed that you may incur a cancer or something of your own that you will effectively be re- relegated to a point of such deep intense suffering that only a connection to why you are here will see you through i would i would rather you live out the rest of your days in a rice paddy tilling the soil pulling the rice knowing that this is your reason for life then living such a life Masked by distraction, masked by frivolous natures of superfluous things, superficialities of money and car and women, etc., that mask over this deep, deep chasm within yourself that you don't even know why you're here. Right? The rice farmer 
who is providing for his family, who gets up every single day and goes to the paddies and provides for his family. And he, that is his reason for living. That person's going to live a long life and a good life at that, right? In, in that self, I always go back to those kind of analogies, which is that reduced, reduced to the most critical aspects of life beyond survival, right? You, you need to have a foundation, a foundational understanding of your purpose in this world. And listen, religion can play into this for sure, but I'm keeping this rather secular. Uh, we can talk about religion a little bit later on today's podcast if you wish. Not that you guys can respond. If we get to it, we get to it. But at a core level, I feel like that each human being is responsible for their meaning in life, for their purpose in life. That is the foundation of your temple. Okay, don't worry about anything else until you get that down. It can be as simple as, well, I'll take something pretty tried and true, pretty tested, which is that I want to serve the beings of this world. While we're here, let's have a time. It's like, if we're going to be here and we're going to be alive, there are obviously good and wrong ways of doing things. Good and bad, right and wrong ways of doing things. There is uh, gray, there is nuance in of that, but there are pretty, pretty clearly cemented things, which is that most people want to live a joyous, fulfilled life. Most people want to have enough food to eat, want to have shelter, they want to feel connection, they want to feel fulfilled, they want to feel like that there is some, uh, at the end of the day, that they actually added value to another person's experience. If that in of itself is just the core root of your purpose in life, right? If your purpose in life is that you want to guide all the beings of this world in the journeys of self-cultivation, you want to liberate all beings into realizing their true nature, as has been designed for myself, then okay. But that is for myself. That doesn't have to be for anyone else. That is what gives me purpose and meaning, right? The liberation of oneness is something that deeply rides through the threads of my spirit. It's something that I see in my marriage with my beautiful wife, Haley. It's something that I see with a random man on the street, which is that we are one in the same. We all came from the same building blocks, the, the same threads and fibers of the universe. And I don't purport to know uh, who instantiated that or who implemented that into this great, wonderful, fantastic world, but it's, it's bloody marvelous, isn't it? It's, it's absolutely stupendous, the opportunity we have in this moment in time to realize the oneness of all things. So that is what gives me and gets me out of bed in the morning, essentially. Why do you wake up in the morning? This is the purpose. That is the question. When you're going through your temple, why do I wake up in the morning? Sort that shit out immediately. Get that laid out and completely orientated in your mind psychologically from the beginning. Don't worry about anything else until you got that done. Then, moving from that, physical, next part of the temple. And but just dragging back to the analogy here, you can see that foundational, the, the pillar, sorry, the, the foundation of your temple is purpose. Then from there, you have pillars and you have rooms and levels that you construct above, which is what we're now working through. Physical. We are physical beings. If you don't have a competent and capable and at least movable body to be able to exact your will in this world, well, then... You know, it's like, yes, modern marvels and modern technologies making it easier and easier. Uh, but for the most part, you could have the greatest ideas in the world, but if you can't implement them, then what's the good? What's, what's any good? So, yes, there are nuances to that. There are some people who have been tremendous thinkers that did have great impact on the world. But, you know, even when you look at the Greek philosophers and Stoics, um, they, they highly prized the physical endeavor. There is a quote from, I believe it's from Aristotle, who's once said that no man should be an amateur in the world of physical prowess. It is an absolute shame and a waste. It is regrettable for a man to have not seen the beauty and strength of his body. I'm just paraphrasing there, 
but it is it is i i wholeheartedly i have taken that to heart since very young age and that was definitely deeply embedded in me from my father who had me training in martial arts since the time i could even throw a kick four or five years old or whatever and i've since lived my life through that live by the sword of physical development because not just from the standpoint of which that you actually need to be able to move, you need to be able to get out in this world, you need to be able to feel, and like so much of our psychology is intertwined with our physical health, right? Just being mobile, being strong and being mobile, right? So we talk about utility here, and you would have seen this in my What is a Man documentary, utility first. Looking, looking good is not always useful, but looking useful and being useful, sorry, always looks good. Say that again. Looking good is not always useful. Being useful, generally speaking, looks pretty good. There's outliers to that, but even then, like when you look at it, the most, you would say useful people, people that can, if you want to talk about use, useful is not just strength though, right? I don't want to get, it wrong, get you wrong on that, but if you look at strong men, strong men can be pretty chubby, right? Got a few fat boys and fat, fat girls up in the strong men community, but at least they're strong and at least that they can do useful shit. And actually- even if they're really, really fucking stocky and, and, and just, just giant balls of muscle, but also layered with a healthy amount of fat, maybe not so much healthy at a certain point, but it still looks a lot better than just being a sack of potatoes or just being this absolute blob with no muscle and no strength whatsoever. So but as a general principle, utility first, and this is something that I, got, I cottoned on to after my bodybuilding phases in my you know 16 to early 20s, and I realized that actually... You know, having pillowy muscles is not the thing, at least for the rest of your life. Go through a phase of it to realize that this is not the thing. The thing actually is to be able to run on the beach barefoot. Running on the beach barefoot is a metric that I will want to be able to keep for the rest of my life. Why? Because when I spend basically every day of my life at the beach and the fittest people I know that are at a later stage of life are those who run on the beach. The people, the, the people that I know that are 80, 90 years old you don't see any fit 80, 90-year-olds living in the burbs. Very rarely, very rarely. Where you see them is at the beach. You see them, these, these wiry, steely physiques that are like, wow, that, I can see, not only can this 90 to 85-year-old man still run, but he's running barefoot on the beach. Most people my age can't run barefoot on the beach. <laughs> they have, they have, inculcated, they, they have, uh, they have casted their feet into these soft, cushy Nikes and Adidas's that that have effectively relegated their feet to these to just wasteful, atrophied, not even must. They're not even serving the purpose that they were designed for. When people say they need foot support, it's like your feet are the support. They are the support, and so throughout, I, I've got a major rant here. I want to relegate. They can bring this back in a little bit here. Bring myself in. I get really passionate about this, but it is a metric that I will always be able to measure myself on as to my utility in this life, which is that can I still run barefoot? I might not be able to run as fast when I'm 90 as when I was 20. I might not be able to run as long, but if I can still run barefoot on the beach, I know that I'm doing what I need to do. It is such a good metric and for many different reasons. Running, I'll put it there because I'll go, this will end up turning into a podcast on barefoot running. <laughs> but it's, that's one thing. That's one thing. There are other things though. There is like, for example, hanging from a bar. Hanging from a bar, two minutes. All right? If I can't hang from a bar for two minutes, then something's wrong. And I know that will get more and more challenging as time goes on. But they've show, it's, it's been shown and been studied that actually one of the greatest 
predictors of long life is grip strength because you can imagine that, well, not even just imagine, but a lot of statistics will show that the cause and one of the number one causes of death in elderly age is falling. And actually, that's what led to the death of my father. Um, you know, you fall, you fall down, you're 85, 80 years old, dad was 74, you fall down in the kitchen and you bust your spine. And all of a sudden, you puncture a few organs and all of a sudden, you're put in the hospital, you're on life support, you develop pneumonia and the pneumonia is what kills you in the end. Right, but it all started at the fact that you weren't able to support your body weight. You weren't able to grab on to the ledge or to the handle as you were falling, or you weren't able to maintain strong ankle stability to stop you from falling in the first place, or strong core strength, and it goes on and on and on. So here we go. We're talking about physical here. Utility first is the idea. Aesthetics will come afterwards. But listen, if you are in physical, I like to I like to split the nutrition between physical and mental. It is definitely a mental you need to have a high level of mental understanding of nutrition as in you need to know, I guess, more so what not to eat and what not to drink. It's, it's not complicated. It's not complicated. But in today's age, it seems that you need to possess something of a high level of a particular specific form of intelligence to know what not to eat and what not to drink. Because there are a lot of very generally intelligent people that I know that eat terrible things and drink terrible things and are shortening their lives, no doubt. So it's a very specific form of intelligence to be able to step back and go, okay, maybe process, refine things that require ungodly amounts of additives and preservatives to even make them palatable and digestible isn't the thing. Maybe the thing that sustained us for hundreds and thousands of years, which is whole foods, right? Animals, plants, fruits, and vegetables. The vegetables I have a particular problem with, but at a bare minimum, if you just stuck to things that had parents and things that come out of the ground or off of a tree and liquids that were natural sourced, you would live a very long life. If you just only did that and did not consume or very infrequently consumed processed things that had to come in packaging, that had to be laden with high fructose corn syrup to make them palatable, et cetera. Okay. So, but that, what I'm talking about there is that that can be split between physical and mental. So I'm mentioning it here in the physical because yeah, of course, the way that you feed yourself, the way that you uh, nourish yourself is going to pay, play a huge part in your physical development. So what I'm, I'm going to wrap up this part here because being a personal trainer, so I've spent several years in the personal training and I've just always been, basically I've been a personal trainer my entire life. As in once a personal trainer, always a personal trainer. This part is just key to me. It's just key, right? You should have a functioning mass. You should be a functionable mass. That does not mean you need to be a Olympic, Olympic, Olympic lifter. It doesn't mean you need to be a CrossFitter. It doesn't mean you can be an outdoorsman. You can be a Pilates uh, enthusiast, a yoga enthusiast. You can be a beach calisthenics enthusiast. I pri- Primarily, my preferred choice of training at the moment is a mixture of calisthenics, uh, various movement, like various mobility exercises, a lot of single leg work, a lot of works to reinforce the knee structures, the hamstrings, a lot of uh, ust grass, a lot of hanging, a lot of uh, just using my body in all of its regard. I love kettlebells. I love powerlifting. I love martial arts. I love a bit of all of it. But if I had to say what I'm doing most in my 30 years plus now, <clears throat> I'm going to be looking to do more. It's mostly strengthening. It's strengthening the core structures that will allow me to live a long and prosperous life. That is mostly what I'm after. And it just so happens that doing those things to quite an intensity develops a pretty good physique, right? I'm not aiming to be some jacked monster. I don't care about that. What I care about is primarily being strong. Yeah. So, and not just strong 
in certain ranges, but in all ranges from the complete, from like my pull-up range is not these bullshit bodybuilder pull-ups that just isolate the latissimus dorsi for a specific range. My pull-up range is from dead hang to complete stop at the top. Right? You you can see this on uh, on my Instagram. You can see the complete range pull-ups. Yeah, I'll put it there. I'll stop there because that'll be the end, okay? But do some sledding. Do some kettlebell. <laughs> do it all, okay? And most of all, make it fun. Make it fun. So that's physical. Now we move on to mental development. Okay. Mental development to me is the acquisition of knowledge that would then turn into practical application of wisdom, right? Go from knowledge to wisdom. Never be satisfied at knowledge. If you are satisfied at just reading books, I've got an entire stack of books. I've got, I've got Japanese tech books right there. I've got George Orwell's 1994. I've got Gabor Mate's The Myth of Normal. I've got uh, a fictional book. I've got the Haike story by Eiji Yoshikawa there. I've got some Nietzsche up there, right? I've got some Douglas Murray up there. Eclectic. Yes, I love knowledge. I love knowledge acquisition, but it is wasted upon you if you stay within these four walls reading these books. You need to go out and apply. And so what that would then look like is engaging with your contemporaries and with your superiors and inferiors, but mostly contemporaries and superiors. Like when I say inferiors, what I mean there is that people who are inferior to you in intellect and mental acuity you learn what not to do from them most importantly. When, when you engage with people who are on the same level as you and most importantly, those who are much more advanced than you, you start to learn your shortcomings. You learn what you don't know. And as they say, the more you know, the more that you don't know. So that's, that's my main principle behind the mental development, which is that always seeking to learn, looking to know. Don't be satisfied with your own biases and your own preconceived notions. Always challenge. Be, look at, be willing to challenge. I have changed my mind on so many things since I was younger, right? I, I like just give you one example. I, I used to think one, I used to think bodybuilding was the thing. I used to think that 12 reps, three sets, 12 reps was the thing. And being as, you know, puffy, I was like, I used to be at roughly uh, 80, 80 some kilos. Now I roughly sit around 60, 65 and I'm much happier at that. I used to think that, um, Religion was bullshit. I used to think that religion was bullshit. I now see a lot of value in religion. I myself am not religious in the sense of that I believe in a uh, omnipotent God that directs our lives, but I am very religious in my practices of spirituality. I have my own ideas around that. We might get to that. We'll get to that later in today's podcast when we tackle the spiritual side of the temple. But I used to think that religion didn't hold a lot of value. I now see that it does. I now see that if not from a literal standpoint, from a metaphorical standpoint, there's a tremendous good in having religious practices that have sustained us for thousands of years. Yep. Okay. So I'm willing to change my mind on, on a lot of things. I used to think that polygamous relationships, more so polyamorous, uh, the definition for those not knowing, is that polygamy and particularly polygyny being the act of one male marrying multiple females. I was never like thinking that that was what society needed. But polyamory, just being poly, many, amorous, loving relationships, many loving relationships. You know, I used to think that for me personally, I never said this was the case for everyone, but I used to think for me personally that that was the thing. I used to think that that was the, pri the primary operation that I was geared towards. I found out that wasn't the case and that actually I was more so looking for, I was deluding myself from a point of fear that I would never find a monogamous relationship that could meet my level of satisfaction and fulfillment. 
So rather than acknowledge that and rather than develop my facilities and keep pushing and keep searching and keep exploring this life to meet a woman who would satisfy that, which I now have, and be up and beyond, of course, uh, I was living in a path in which that I was deluded. I couldn't see what I, what I didn't know. Yeah? Okay? So changing my mind. Changing my mind. When you're looking at your mental development, be willing. Uh, I think one of the greatest markers of intelligence is how ready and willing you are to be changing your mind upon presented with new evidence, presented with new ideas. Are you seeking new ideas? Okay? And then willing to apply. That's what I'll say on that. You can do that through books. You can do that through mentors, coaching. Uh, yeah, there's a lot to be said for saving the pain and just getting the lessons. I think, yes, but not entirely, not in totality. There is a lot to be learned through pain. There is a lot to be learned through making your own mistakes is what I'm saying. Okay, for sure. There are some things you can only learn, and that's what we're talking about through the transition of knowledge to wisdom. There are some things, wisdom can only ever be gained by you doing the thing yourself. No doubt. I don't think anyone would argue with that. And if you are, then that's just silly. Uh, you know, knowing, knowing and experiencing at a core level from your subjective experience can never be replaced. That's irreplaceable. Okay. Yeah. But if you take anything away from that part of the podcast, it's do not be satisfied with what you currently know and do not be satisfied with taking in other people's viewpoints without test driving them yourself. Okay. Within reason. You, uh, don't hurt anyone, is what I'm saying. Don't hurt yourself. Okay, now, moving to the next stage of a temple. So let me just get a recap here. We've done our foundational purpose. We've done our physical development. We're doing mental development here now. And now we're looking at social. Social development. Oh, by the way, why but just why mental over social development? Of course, I think it should be pretty self-explanatory. But once you've got your purpose in order, you've got your body in order, then we're going to look at upgrading our minds. And yes, there's a there is a interconnection between all these things. It is not as simple as just that you can just block these out. It's how I think it's best to approach it. But yes, there is an interrelation between all things. Okay, so moving now to your social development. There are many rooms within the development of one's social apparatus. There is, of course, romantic relationships. There is familial relationships. There is friendship. There is platonic relationships. So. Here's what I'd like to say. The guiding principle behind social development is, of course, a metric on one level of unconscious competence that you should have such a high level of social competence in your relations with all beings that you have principled action, so direct, congruent, authentic with empathy. Direct in that you speak your mind and you say it how it is. You are honest. You, you Truth and... Con the conveyance of truth should be your first and foremost principle that comes through directness. Yes, are there nuances where being truthful is going to hurt you? Yes, okay, from the philosophical example of like, sometimes saying the truth can actually cause a worse outcome. E.g., some distraught woman rocks up at your house and says, my axe-wielding murderous husband is after me can you harbor me in my house and you say yes okay go hide up in the attic and then the axe wielding husband comes to your door and says here's my wife here and you lied in order to protect her okay we're not talking about situations like that we're talking about when you need to convey to a woman what your true intent is you need to convey to your mother or your father or during a conflict with colleagues 
with friends, when someone's crossed your boundaries, that you aren't just going to let that slide, that you are direct in your communications, that you say what you mean, you mean what you say, okay? Direct communication. That, then you move on to being congruent, that within your external actions, that there is not this uh, rift of shape-shifting, of split personality, that I'm like this with one person and I'm like this with another person. No, what you get is what you get, okay? When you meet Adam, Adam is Adam, now, of course, you're going to have different personality styles with different people, of course. But I'm talking about the core level of who you are. You don't get an entirely different human being from who Adam is at a principle-based level between what Haley, my wife, gets from me and what my mother gets from me or what my clients get from me. They would all report independently that Adam is this type of person. Commitment. Commitment to being at a place and at a time and doing what you said you would do. Congruence. Let me reset the battery here, my friends. We're going to change up. Okay, we're back, my friends. Sorry, one of the batteries just wasn't fully charged. We're back in, though, on commitment. Congruence is commitment. That's a really, really good way of thinking about it, which is that you commit to your word, you commit to your actions, and you standardize that across your entire way of being. Right? Yes, now, of course, there are going to be nuances to every situation, but as a general principle, if you followed this, in which that, okay, if I'm going to be someone who commits to the congruence of always being direct, for the most part, then most people are always going to understand where you stand. And that, in fact, allows them to be honest with you. How could you expect someone to be truthful and honest with you if you are not willing to offer them the exact same delight? You need to have these principles in place to avoid falling down uh, masochistic, sadistic, sociopathic, psychotic behaviors of obsessive lying, of obsessive deceit, of obsessive and compulsive destructive mentalities that would see you burn the people and relationships around you. You need to be a person of commitment and congruence. Right? This, can, this is not a negotiable. This being direct to me is non-negotiable. Being congruent and committing to congruence is non-negotiable. It is your, I've often referred to it as your way that you engage externally. It is your external presentation amongst this reality and this world. Now we step to authenticity. Direct, congruent, authentic. Authenticity now turns ourselves inwards. We now look at the microscope internally in which that we have our moral decision-making, our values, right? What's right and wrong and our ability to stay true to that, staying true to the person inside. Now, apart from, again, nuanced situations, morality seems to have some part, at least, objectivity to it. It's a, it's a, it's a forever debate. It's a debate that will never be settled, at least not in my lifetime, as to whether objective, whether morality is subjective or objective, whether it is relative or objective in this world, whether it exists out in the ether, where if we were to visit other planets, would there somehow be some moral code that exists there, independent of us human beings, or is morality purely just a subjective perception of and relative to the person here and now? You know, you can go back and forward and spend a long time in philosophy this year going back and forward on this. Personally, my views on this is that I feel like there is an objective reality that is somewhat and somehow interlinked with our biology, and that there is a epigenetic layer of subjective morality placed on top of that what i'm saying is that i feel like it feels to me intuitively that there are layers to morality there is an objective biological morality in which that i come out of the womb knowing that it's not a good thing and it's not right to kill people that's that just seems to be hardwired into me that that seems to be pretty well linked to at least in my mind to a need to perpetuate the species that it probably would not be good and evolution probably wired out and weeded out those babies that had a sadistic need to kill everyone around them, right? And so we now have a result, 
human beings that seem to be pretty harmonious and don't have a uh, murderous intent coming out of the womb. And objective morality, okay? It's something that regardless of whether... Uh, regardless, if you, if you were to just take a bunch of babies and you were to stick them into a room and see what they did with each other, I don't think many babies would try to kill each other without being taught that that was the thing to do or that that was something that would be good to do. Okay. But then on top of that, there is definitely going to be subjective, like in terms of, you know, we look at now different cultural, culturally relative uh, morality. It's, it's pretty hard to argue against how people here in the Western world do not believe that it's moral to subject women to genital mutilation. But then if you look into the Middle East, that that is, seems to be morally approved of. And then you can look out here, well, then isn't just because we're all just perceiving our world through our own subjective lens, then that is just relative. Like, yeah, it's like it's hard to argue against that as well. So I think there are layers to it. Now, I'll end this conversation here because we'll just keep going on and on and on. But I'm undecided to a certain degree as well. Like I have my intuitions, but I don't know. I don't know entirely. I'll spend the rest of my life pondering this. And I hope you will too. So, but, but moving beyond that, because I just want to address my understandings of morality, authenticity back to this principle is what I believe to be right and wrong. And I think generally speaking, for most people, we can agree that lying, that doesn't prove to a better end, but lying just to get ahead, lying at the expense of other people is not a good thing, right? And that it will eventually lead to destroying those that you most love, okay? You will, you will destroy yourself and those you most love if you practice that, right? I don't, I don't, whether you want to say it's God, whether you want to say it's karma, whether you think it's just the natural result and conclusion of someone who acts as a lying person that they would eventually undo themselves, whatever you want to attribute it to, lies eventually come undone. The truth somehow reveals itself in the end. It, it just seems to be a... A truism and a platitude itself in which that, a platitude that has great weight. You will be found out eventually. At some point, somehow, some way, the truth comes to light and lies get their due. Whether it's karmic, godic, whatever you want to believe it to be, they get their due. So authenticity for me is doing what's right. right? You guide yourself, your moral compass, you do what's right by those around you because you expect that to be done to yourself and that's all it needs to extend to. Right, you're a person who lives authentically, and that can also extend to you know, when you look at personality presentation here. If I'm being authentic, then if I fucking love anime, or if I love Attack on Titan, if I love to roll around in in the grass, if I love to just be a bit of a goof, I like to goof off. I like to you know take life not so seriously. I love to have a joke around. I love to do some quirky stuff. I love to you know. Do, do some do some weird shit. I like to train in the gym barefoot. If that's authentic to me, then okay. Then you do that. Then you don't suppress your authentic desires as long as they're not hurting anyone and certainly not because you fear judgment from others barring hurting someone. If you're afraid to go out into a venue and say, listen, tonight I want to go meet 10 people tonight and yeah, that's, that's what's going to make me fulfilled and you step in there and then you don't do it because you're afraid of other people judging you and then you go, okay, well, I'm living inauthentically. That is me living inauthentically. If I said that, you know what? Everyone around me seems to be on this whole like KFC and and, and McDonald's shit. Everyone seems to be on this kind of this this in terrible food thing, and they seem to just applaud it. They, you get applauded from eating terrible shit. But I want to I want to dial it in. I want to eat only meat, 
and some fruit and maybe a little bit of vegetables. But I want to eat just primarily the most nutrient-dense, rich sources of food that are unprocessed and that are as whole as possible. And it's like, well, I'm going to cop a lot of shit for that, but it's inauthentic for me to not live that way. So, so I live authentically and I do what feels most authentic to me. This is what we're talking about here, my friends. It, it, it transcends and traverses every aspect of your life. Be authentic to what feels right inside of yourself, true inside of yourself. Because you all know, we all know, we all know, you're, you always know when you are breaking this principle. So it's your internal compass. Now, moving to, you have, what you got there? Direct, congruent, authentic, the DCA, now plus E. This is something that I added a little bit later on in life because I didn't think it was inherently, I didn't think it needed to be educated on. But I think it's good. I think it's good and I think it helps a lot of people because it seems to be, as a result of my coaching practice, a lot of people lack the empathy principle. E, empathy. We want to achieve the best outcome always for everyone engaged. Whether that's you and a, and a female partner or a romantic interest, I want the best for both of us. Whatever that means. If that means that we can't continue this relationship because I can see that you're becoming too attached, too dependent on me for reasons that are going to lead to destruction and pain. I can see that you're masking over internal pain and this is only going to foster those flames. Right? Then, we, then we're going to have to put an end to this. Or if that... I can feel within myself that uh, I want to live in open relationships. I want to experience and explore many sexual relationships, but you know, I can say that's not for you. Then I don't try and force you into that. And I offer you the empathy point of that. It's okay if this is not okay for you. Like you don't force undue judgment onto people as a result of your decisions that you take into account people's emotional set points. You take into account their viewpoints in life and you try to see things from the other foot and you try to feel from the other foot, there's effectively empathy in which that is not just feeling bad for someone else or uh, offering them condolences, but it is attempting to place yourself in that position. How would you feel if you were on the receiving end of this? So that's the reason why empathy is so important is because it tempers all the other principles. Empathy tempers directness. Directness can come off as extremely blunt and dickheadedy. Right, dickheadedly, yes, it can come off as being curt and disrespectful. But if you can be direct with empathy, which is that, you know, I would, I would love to progress in this relationship with you, but it's okay if it's not, not for you. I totally understand if this is going to be difficult for you, and you know, I want to wish you the best in life anyway. Yeah. Empathy, to know that not everyone is going to see the world the way that you see it, that just because this feels authentic to you doesn't necessarily mean it feels authentic to someone else and I'm okay. You know, let the leaves fall where they may. A detachment, a detachment also comes from empathy. When you can practice empathy, you become very detached from needing people to approve of you, from needing people to validate you, from needing people to approve and validate your decisions and to go along with your journey in life. You know, a sense of ease and being at peace with things comes with being empathetic as well. Gratitude comes in with empathy. Being grateful for the fact that you are able to act upon your principles and not forsake yourself. We have we have not touched on that word yet. Yet it is one of my favorite words uh, in this life, uh, particularly when we're discussing journeys of paths of supreme excellence. Which is, you will come across people that have forsaken themselves, and many a time you have someone trying to force you in a direction that you do not design for yourself. And that is when having empathy and gratitude for the fact that you can see that has to come into play and that you can leave that person and let them be on their way. Yeah, I've seen this many a times across my life in which that 
I recognized a, a woman, particularly if we're talking sexually, that had forsaken herself, that was willing to jump into bed with me too soon, or did not want to apply the necessary amounts of love, of care, after a sexual experience, and just saw it as that. And I thought, this is not right. This is not right. And instead of, you know, berating her, disrespecting her, throwing her out to the wolves, so to speak, or throwing her out into the cold and just rejecting her entirely, but to offer her the empathy point of that, listen, I'm grateful for this experience that we've had and I would love to explore your mindsets behind this, but it's okay if we don't continue from here because I can't continue this way. And, you know, I'm just, I just want to let you know that I can be that vessel of acceptance and that is also plays into empathy because I see that you've forsaken yourself. You know, when did you forsake these principles? What has led to this? These questions all of this comes building and you can see all these different elements that arise from empathy. It's just this compassion It's compassion for the person in front of you so that you would hopefully understand whatever viewpoint they have, wherever they're coming from, and that you're not, you're not beholden to your principles only and that it's either your way or the highway and then fuck them if they're not coming with you. It's that I have my principles. I will stay true to them uh, to the point of death. But I'll make sure that I try to understand the person in front of me as best I can. I make sure that I try to understand this woman in front of me or man as best as I can. Yeah, that, that's what it is. And when you try to understand people, things get more you, you feel more grateful for them. You feel grateful for who you are. You feel more compassionate. You feel kinder. And you just things just seem to work better. Okay? So direct, congruent, authentic, with empathy. These are the principles. Why did I come into this? Because we're currently in the state of the temple that regards social dynamics and your social development. Social development to me begins, as I said before, at a point in which that I want a such a high level of social competence that that is principle-based. That is what I said before, development-based, principle-based. That's where social dynamics really begins. Because if you're going to then go and say, okay, so what does social dynamic training look like? Like what does the training look like for that? Well, it looks like going out and meeting people cold. It is one of my favorite modalities of the entire... I'm married. I'm married and I still value cold approach, cold social dynamics in a very different flavor to what a lot of coaches would give you. Yeah, I've been coaching here for the last eight years and I've been in the journey for well over, how old now? I think I started cold approach when I was 16, 17, 16, 17, and I'm now 30, right? I still see immense value in it. I still coach people in it, still doing myself to this day. It's in a very different light and a very different flavor to the traditional pickup artists. And uh, to, because I don't, I just don't resonate with pickup artistry. I don't resonate with game. I don't resonate with uh, seeing social dynamics as something as a win or take or as a black or white or as a zero sum game. I see social dynamics as this beautiful process of self realization, coming to know oneself, the journey of understanding who you are. Not the journey of who you're getting, but the journey of who you're becoming. That is social dynamics to me. Social dynamics is not about taking. Social dynamics is not about how much sex you can have. It's not about, like, even like if you listen to, that was one point that I noted in X's email. He said that, I feel like my urgency to have sex with, with women is very high right now. So stop right there. Stop right there. If you feel like you have an urgent need to have sex with women right now, you need to stop right there because that's not what social dynamics is about. Social dynamics is about developing yourself to such a high level that other people would want to be around you. 
that you would become so attractive inherently that other people wish to come back to you, that you don't need to push on other people. That's not to say that you don't act upon masculine principles of leadership, of that you lead first and you lead strong, you approach the woman and you say, excuse me, miss, I saw you standing here. I know it's a bit crazy, but I think you're absolutely beautiful. Had to say hi. My name's Adam. All right, that's being direct. That's approaching her. That's enacting all my masculine energies that I can't just sit back. I can't just stay all night in my bedroom watching porn and hope that somehow that's magically going to work out to a nice fulfilled life. I need to go out and I need to meet people. I need to go out and when I see someone at the gym and who's doing some things that I've never seen before, I need to be able to go up to them and say, excuse me, man, this is really cool what you're doing here. I have no idea about that. Could you please show me? Could you please tell me what's going on here? This is when you're at a business conference and that uh, you're trying to network with people and you're realizing that, hey, this seems like a bit, bit of a click over there. These people seem to seem pretty sharp. I'm going to go over there and introduce myself. Hey, guys, my name's Adam. Saw you standing here. Thought I'd come over and connect. What's going on? Extend that hand. A firm handshake. A firm handshake psychologically is what your personality should feel like. A nice, strong block of wood like oak. You should feel like oak when it comes to social dynamics. Why? Because you are not masquerading, which is what pickup artistry does. Pickup artistry was based on the masquerading of qualities you do not have, which is why I reject the part. And I, even from the beginning, I always rejected the idea that you had to pretend to be someone else. If you have to use lines, tricks, canned material to woo someone into sleeping with you, it is such a short-term mentality that even if it is successful for a night or two, it will not lead to a fulfilling relationship in the long term. You will be found out and you will be found wanting. You will be found wanting for that of a genuine man. You are not a genuine, authentic person. You are hiding underneath the mask of lines and cans. Okay? So when it comes back to social dynamics, yeah, I know we've got a bit of a tangent there. What I want from you what I want from you when you're looking at your social temple is supremely excellent social dynamics means that you are unconsciously competent, which means that you don't even have to think about this anymore because you have direct, congruent, authentic with empathy ingrained within your fibers and your threads of human being. And that along with principles, okay, so that's on the that's on the more macro scape. When we look at now micro, we look at my intent, eye contact, vocal projection, body language, and vibe. Okay, intent, which means that I follow through on what feels authentic to me here. Direct and authentic all plays in. But it's like, I see a woman that I like, I go up and I follow through on that intent. I see someone at the gym that I want to speak to, I go up and follow through with that intent. I don't suppress my intent unless it's, and this is just stupid even saying this, unless it's going to hurt someone. But if, if we've gone through all the other principles, you're not going to be in that position. If you are acting as a person who is on the path of supreme excellence, you're trying to improve the experience for other human beings, like that should be part of your intent. Part of your intent is that I want this person to have the best experience possible. That should be part of your intent. Like if I'm a man right now, if I'm a, if I'm a single man going into a bar or going out in the street and I see a woman that I like, integral to my intent is that I want her to have the best experience possible. Yes, I'm a, like my, my first and foremost intent is that I'm a man, you're a woman, let's see if we connect. So the sexual polarization off the bat. It's not that, oh, I'm this needy little scrub. I'm this little bottom feeder of an absolute fish lord that needs to go up and try and get whatever I can from this woman. No, it's that I'm a man of supreme excellent quality. Right? I have high value. I've been working on myself. I've been drilling. I've been walking. I've been climbing. And I see you and you look, whoa, you look very attractive. You look very beautiful to me. You are enticing. You are extremely interesting. I had to come find out. 
I had to come find out to see if you are of a woman of similar value and alignment and to see if we connect. And in tandem with that, I want you to have the best experience no matter what. So even if that means that you're not down for this right now or I'm not down for this right now and this needs to end for whatever the reason may be, logistically, emotionally, romantically, whatever it may be, I want to wish you the best life. I want to wish you the best life. I want you to have a tremendous life moving forward. Intent. That's the social dynamic intent and that can be applied to everything. I chose a romantic example there to make it juicy, to make it spicy, make it tender, crisp, spicy. But you can apply that to your relationship with your family, with your friends, with your colleagues, with uh, lukewarm connections, social group connections, uh, going out to some kind of spiritual get up, some kind of spiritual meeting where everyone's doing a drum circle, doing some ecstatic dance and you see some people, you want to say hi. I want them to have the best experience as well. Why not? Let's do it. Like that's... My client, client Z mentioned in his plan for 2024 that he wants to be joyful and infectiously excited for life. That's a big part of it that you can feel in my, you can feel, hopefully you can feel my infectious excitement for it because that's, that's what it gets at. So you look at intent there. We're going back with these micro principles, intent, eye contact, laser eyes, peering into the soul of who this human being is. Yes, you can overdo it. Yes, you can make people feel nervous and uh, awkward. And listen, that's not necessarily a bad thing a lot of times. It can be in a professional corporate setting, but in a setting where you're trying to vet, is this person maybe in a bar, in a nightclub, out in a day interaction, is this person my kind of person? If they can't hold eye contact, that's not my kind of person. And applying empathy, that's totally okay. That's totally okay. I'm not judging you for that. We're just probably not very aligned. My woman needs to be able to stare me directly in the eyes at end. And Haley can do that, no worries. It's actually one of the ways I knew that I was super attracted to Haley was that she could outstare me. She was her eye contact was as strong as mine. And I think her what strong eye contact contact, what strong eye contact reflects is a solidity within one's spirit. When you are solid within yourself and you are not at the peril of being at the mercy of other people's opinions, and that you need other people to direct your life for you. And eye contact will definitely convey that. So intent, eye contact, vocals, okay? Vocal pacing, vocal tonality, vocal projection, being at peace, being grounded, sitting deeply within your voice. Not that, okay, I would, you know, kind of lie to, you know, maybe get your number or maybe, you know, would like to kind of, you know, get your opinion on this and oh, what would you like to do today? You know, she's like, no, this is me. I'm a man, you're a woman. Let's see if we connect. Use silence, use pace, light it up, add intonation, use, use your facilities in a way that speaks to who you are. Okay, that's vocals. Can get more granular with social dynamics, but that's not necessary for now. But just know that your vocal projection and your vocal presentation is a reflection of who you are. Body language, of course. <laughs> Body language says so much, as you know. Right? It says everything. It says everything before you say anything. Right? If you show that you have an upright posture, you show that you are not uh, quivering, you are not fleeting and shaking, and that you are not, uh, what would be the word? Instable. Instability. That's the last thing a woman wants to see in a man is an instable body language. It's the last thing I want to see in a man that I think I, or I want to trust is that he's instable, that the entire time that he is just shape-shifting. And so I guess it's like a deeper reflection of congruence within one's body, right? Solid, oak wood, 
set it in. It's not that you can't move. It's not that you can't gesticulate, which is that you guys see that an expressive creative person is going to gesticulate. But when, when confronted, they are not at a need to have to manipulate their body so as to mirror the other person. That you are very comfortable to just be you. If you've got someone in front of you who is aggressive, emotional, that you can show a body language that is, I'm good. I am good. I am solidified within myself. Okay. Now, moving towards, uh, and which is not to say that you can't be at ease. It's not to say that you can't be at peace. Okay. Intent, eye contact, vocal projection, body language, vibe. What is vibe? Vibe is the vibration. Vibe is the indescribable, you cannot put a word to it, is the way that someone feels. It is the subjective experience, the mystical experience of how this person portrays themselves. Right. Some a lot of the time people give me the vibe of Adam, you just you're a very chill guy. As in like, I know in this podcast I'm very aggressive. But generally speaking, when I'm with people, I'm pretty at peace. I'm pretty at ease. Like I'm okay. You wanna be a fooligan? <laughs> you wanna be a goof? Uh you wanna be amped up? I like that's fine, whatever. Okay. Like I'm a man of a thousand years. I've lived for a thousand years on this planet and I'm good. Right? It's not to say that I don't uh get extremely excited. I do, and Haley would tell you that I'm absolutely goof when I'm just with her. But uh, the vibe that I think a lot of people would give off, get from me, is that very at peace, very chill, and uh, very, very okay. Just okay with who he is. That's the vibe that people will report back to me. Yep. Your vibe might be something completely different. Anyways, design your vibe. Whatever your vibe is, that is the conglomeration of your entire set. When you look at intent, eye contact, vocal projection, body language, etc., uh, all put together, you look at your principles, you look at your path, you look at your co- your concoction of who you are as a general human being across your entire life. That is effectively your vibe. That is the energy that you give off. That words cannot explicitly define, but it is what people feel from you. You know, And vibe is very much an attraction-based thing as well in that you feel in an energetic alignment when you're in the same vibe as someone. When you vibrate with them, when you vibrate with someone, you're in an energetic alignment. So... If you wish to attract a woman who is tantalizing and seductive and at peace within herself at the same time, well, then you better find that vibration within you, right? Especially to person X, say client X here, who is very down on women, thinking that women are stupid and resenting them. And he feels somehow, yet yet there's a contradiction because he feels this urgent need to have sex with them. It's a very intense contradiction there, X. But no less, and nevertheless, you purport that that kind of vibe, which is a very unstable vibe, to be resenting women and to be thinking that they're stupid and that to be still voraciously needing sex, very unstable. You're probably not going to approach a very stable woman with that mindset. Like attracts like, vibe attracts vibe. Count it. Absolutely count that, take that to the bank and saddle me up because I'll ride with that all day long. Okay, and that wraps it up. As in, that wraps up the micros of social dynamics. So what I would like for you to reflect on here is that, can I do everything Adam just said? Can I purport, uh, can I present, I should say, can I present a unconsciously competent level of intent, eye contact, vocals, body language, vibe, along with principles of direct, congruent, authentic, with empathy? Do I have an unconsciously competent level of those things? That is my social development in a nutshell that can be applied to any situation. Homeless man on the street asking for money, your mom going into the hospital for cancer treatment, your dad passing away, your, your, your best friend taking his own life, right? all these different things, having a miscarriage, 
going through an abortion, etc., life-threatening situations, social dynamics, your world is social. Our world is social as much as technological advances would like to push us and suffocate us into isolation. At this stage in 2023, I'd love to check back again in 10, 15 years' time. I'd love to check back in 30, 40 years' time when AI has completely infiltrated our entire worlds. But as I wrote in one of my seminal articles a few months, probably a month ago now, that when the moment comes that AI, AI, artificial intelligence, infiltrates our lives, I will rebuff it from my personal interactions. I am happy to have AI run of many of the things that cause us daily inconvenience. I'm happy for AI to do my taxes. I am not happy for AI to infiltrate my social dynamics. Social dynamics should remain a principle that is engaged between human beings and human beings only. Natural, organic human beings. Okay, I am not okay... Let me say this. I am not okay with, with, okay. No, I'll go say this. I am not okay with any masculine being who goes ahead and says, I'm going to live a life of AI sex, porn, sex robots, and just live a life of my it's not. It's not okay. It's not okay. That is the end of the world, as, as far as I can see it. It is the end of the world when men give up on being men. And it is also in the world of women give up on being women. But from a more poignant standpoint in this podcast, if men cease to approach women, which is their primordial, I'm going to say right, it's not just right, but it's their primordial role. It is the primordial role for the masculine energy to lead. When men stop doing that, that is effectively the end of us, of our society. Okay? Because as much as a woman might hear that and say, but but I don't, I don't, but women, maybe women could pick up the slack or maybe women could like encourage men in different ways. I'm like, that's not your role. It's not your role. And it, it wouldn't work even if you tried it. It wouldn't work even if you tried it. If we just ran this hypothetical experiment in which that, let's say that no man would take a general Friday night in pumping Sydney in a, in a busy nightclub and everyone, and we've got all these single people in there. But let's say that all the men have been neutered psychologically, that they cannot, for the life of them, approach a woman. They just can't do it, which we're not that far off, by the way. But let's say it's like an actual thing. This is impossible. But then all the women are, for some reason, inclined to help men have sex with them and create meaningful sexual relationships with them, to create sensual, deep, loving relationships with them. That's their operatus modus operandi. That's their thing. It wouldn't work. It wouldn't work for a attractive woman to come up to a man who has been psychologically neutered and has no connection to his source of masculine energy and for her to say, listen, doors open, doors open, I'm yours. It just, you can, it just violates all the principles of masculine to feminine dynamics, which has got us to where we are across hundreds and thousands of years of human homo sapien development. It just, it just, can, it just cannot work. It cannot work for women to do the role of men or for men to do the role of women. Women need to entice. Women need to excite and attract and mystify and they need to provide that place of feedback. But they surely cannot be the ones that impose upon men that which they should have done from the beginning themselves. Men from the beginning should have the confidence and the backbone and the courage and the psychology to say that I see a woman and I need to go meet her. And that's that. I may or may not progress, but it is my role to approach in of itself. So 
Let's take a step back here. Let's take a big step back. Social dynamics, you can tell the social dynamics principle of the temple is something we can talk about for uh, hours and hours and hours, hundreds and thousands of hours. So I'll wrap it up here. You want to be unconsciously competent interacting with every single being you come across, essentially. Essentially. So, so the inner knowing now, the final part of the temple. What have we done here? We've gone through a path of supreme excellence, which is inherently the development of one's temple, which is a foundation and purpose, physical, mental, social development, transcended by your inner knowing. What is this? What am I going? What am I rabbiting on about when I say transcended by a inner knowing? Okay, so let's define that out. Everything that I've discussed so far is a external manifestation and engages with the world outside of yourself. It is something that helps you to relate with the other beings of this world. However, there is something that for those that have explored meditation or psychedelics, bit of anything, any kind, any religious experience as well, there seems to be something beyond all of this. You know, for all of our intentional designing and acting upon these principles and these ways of being, there seems to be something else, doesn't there? We don't appear to be merely acting upon instinct or merely acting upon what happens here and now and that's that. The atheist and new atheist would say that, no, that's all there is. There's this life and that's it. There's no afterlife. There's no God. There's no guiding force. We have these lives. It was an, it was an accident. It was a beautiful accident of evolution and we just somehow got here. Okay? It, was a, it, was, it was a beautiful uh, coincidence that we somehow are here. That inherently and intuitively feels extremely unsatisfying for most people. Atheism has never attracted me. Uh, Eastern philosophy has always been at the bedrock of my beliefs, but I feel like even the closest I ever came in Eastern philosophy, like in terms of Western philosophy, Catholicism, Judaism, these things, uh, even uh, um, kind of Muslim beliefs, these never resonated with me. The only organized collection of perception towards what life is that ever resonated with me was Eastern philosophy, particularly the Tao Te Ching by Lao Tzu, written down somewhere about 2,500 years ago, particularly if you're looking for the translation that I most resonated with, Wayne Dyer's, uh, Change Your Thoughts, Change Your Life, Living the Wisdom of the Tao, favorite book of all time. Uh, from that, you can look at Deng Ming Dao's 365 Dao. It's not bad. I don't resonate with it as much. Um, but then a lot of Buddhist philosophy, the Diamond Sutra translated by Red Pine, that particular reading uh, struck quite a chord with me, but particularly the Tao Te Ching, right? living in accordance with the way. Also something that Miyamoto Masashi and a lot of uh, samurai philosophy was based on was the Tao. Um, people will refer to this, you hear this thing called Taoism. Taoism is such a, <laughs> such a contradiction of itself. For the opening line of the Tao Te Ching is that the Tao that can be named is not the true Tao. So to even speak of the Tao, if you will, is to lose the essence of what the Tao is. What does the Tao mean? It just means the way. The Tao Te Ching just means the book of the way. And the Tao itself is just the way of all things. And in the book that Lao Tzu puts out, he basically just talks living in accordance with nature in many principles. And I don't agree with all of it, but I agree with, generally speaking, that I've always felt that there is a way to things. 
Now, whether that is because there is an omnipotent one being up in the sky that dictates this or because this is a simulation and that we're all living in a beautiful simulation that was dictated by someone else, or even if it was that this was just some beautiful accident, that it is in fact, there is a beauty to it. There is a beauty to the way that things work and that I, in my one subjective experience, am able to appreciate this, which other beings apparently cannot. Other beings apparently cannot appreciate the fact that there is an I. There is a subjective experience that there is a way to feel that I feel. That as philosopher Thomas Nagel put down, is that there is a subjective phenomenological experience, a phenomenological experience to how things feel. And that there is something like this. There is a way that something feels like this. If at the core you would appreciate Nagel's philosophy that Thus, there is something to feel the way it feels the way that it feels, that we know that that is something. Whether that's just, you know, people would reject that by saying, if you're on the, if the, the opposition to that would be that, well, the, you only feel the way you feel and it's only subjective experience because of the biological wirings within your brain. And if you turn off that shit off, that's not going to experience, that's not going to be there. Yeah, and we can go down in a very large debate between, oh, sorry about that, <laughs> just hit the microphone. There's a very, very long debate and an upstanding debate upon uh, the neuroscientists and those who think that neuroscience only deletes and reduces the subjective experience of humanity. It's a very long and very intense and very interesting debate. But for me personally, when we're talking about your inner knowing, it is your connection to that without words. It is to whatever that thing is inside of yourself, your spiritual essence, that if you if you would, for a moment, metaphorically, if you could subscribe to an idea that maybe this life isn't just about what's in front of us, maybe that there is something else, and it you don't have to make any intellectual falsehoods or any intellectual jumps to be able to do this. For all of the atheists that are steadfast and stout in their position that there is nothing else, that, to me, is the height of arrogance and completely ignores the idea that they also don't know. It is much more true for someone to say to me that I don't know. And if that is the extent of your spiritual knowing, is that I don't know, and that you'd rather just be agnostic about the whole thing, great, great. Live in your I don't knowness. If you, like, that's even something that uh, in... Zen master Sung San in the book Dropping Ashes on the Buddha once spoke of in one of his uh, conversations with one of his disciples, one of his students. He said, you know, live in your I don't know this. If you don't know, you don't know, good, be at peace with that. If you feel like you know a little bit more, maybe you've had some psychedelic experiences, some uh, maybe some near-death experiences, maybe some dreamlike experiences in some dreamlike states where you've seen some things, you've experienced some things or whatever it may be, that you just somehow feel that there's something else to this experience. If there's a, there's a way of being here, then live in that. But whatever it is, flesh it out. I would encourage that at a minimum, you do not resign to, I know for sure that it is nothing. Once you say that, I feel like that's that's the, I can't trust you. I can't trust anyone who says that I know that there's nothing more to life after this life because you just don't. You don't. And I don't either. 
I can neither confirm nor deny that there is something after this experience that I'm currently enjoying right now. But what I do know is that it feels like when I go deep within myself, when I steady my spirit, when I detach from conscious thought, and I just experience the moment as is, the presence of now, there is a deep, deep refilling and rejuvenating harmony that, of course, is not acted upon in the moment. It's just there is nothing to be done. Nothing said, nothing done, just now. And somehow that has this effect on me that brings me into an accordance and alignment with all beings in this world. And it allows me to feel compassion and kindness for all beings in this world. It allows me to see that I apparently am living karmic threads of lives. You know, and that's, that's, that's nice and poetic, isn't it? Is, it? is it true? I don't know. But it feels authentic to me. It feels authentic to me that this is not the first life. That it feels like I'm on this continuous eternal thread of lives that goes on and on and on for infinity. And I'm just living this one currently out right now. I'm trying to do my best right now. I'm, I've got my flaws. I've got the things that I've improved in this lifetime. And I'm, I'm really excited to get to the end of this thread, having done as much as I could, and then to be reborn into another thread and to just keep weaving on and on and on. You know, when you look at this ring on my hand, this is not merely a wedding band. This is a ring of eternity that Haley and I share with each other, that we feel that we have found our eternal partners and that we will continue to ride on learning and living, whether in this life or the next, that we'll find each other. Manif we have manifested in these vehicles, these vehicles, these bodies, and we're learning the lessons we can right now. But uh, you know, I'll find her in the next, if not now, in the next. And that's, that's the connection that Haley and I share and that we share very deeply. We share the same perspective, threads of lives. That is my perspective towards my inner knowing. That does not have to be yours. Yours can be found in Allah. Yours can be found in Jesus. Yours can be found in Vishnu, if you will. Yours can be found in the agnosticism of I don't know. If you don't know, that's just as good. If you believe it and you feel it. What I'm saying here is that there is a obvious, there's an obvious contradiction of using the ego. That is what the spiritual essence of spiritual inner knowing is designed in the temple analogy to bring awareness to, which is that I am using me. I am using me, I'm using Adam, and that in and of itself is false. Because Adam is not eternal, right? My, my little ego is not eternal. I am part of something much greater, which I would refer to as maybe I am just a leaf of the tree. Adam is but a leaf of the tree. And we're continuously returning back to our source, right? I am experiencing, I am both the universe and the universe experiencing itself all at the same time. The mother experiencing the child and the child experiencing the mother at the same time. An indistinguishable and inextricable experience of life. That to me is the realization to be had. The realization to be had. is that I'll do the best that I can with the little ego that I have now and always remember that there is always a sky beyond the clouds. There is always a way to this river that I am not entirely privy to right now. And yet somehow am. It's like I, I cannot consciously and verbally and linguistically outlay for you the very workings of this universe, but for some reason I can feel that internally. And isn't that magic? Isn't it magical that when you cease to think, you can connect to the very essence of life itself. 
And so you manage and you ride this wave throughout your life. Okay, that's the way that I've approached it. You don't have to. That's the way that I've approached it and that's the way that I feel it. And so now we can recap what a temple of development temple would be and a path of supreme excellence would be. A path of supreme excellence to me is the mastery of oneself, the journey, the eternal journey of mastering oneself to live the best life that I possibly can to serve the beings of this world. Okay, why? Is that arbitrary? Absolutely. That is absolutely arbitrary. That is not an objective reality. That is not something that I have found and that believe exists outside of me. No, 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 no. That is entirely subjective, entirely made up. It is completely arbitrary, but it is something that brings me internal peace. It is something that I feel like this is a great way of being. A great way of being is that if I walk a path of supreme excellence, which I try to improve the experience of life for every single person I come into contact with, which means that I need to bolster myself. I need to be in extreme connection with my purpose in life, physical, mental, social development, transcended by my inner knowing, my spiritual essence. If I put all these things together and every single day I go to work on the temple, brick after brick, pillar after pillar, room after room, consolidation, refinement, evolution, development, keep processing, keep walking, keep going. It never ends. Perfection is not the goal or in the sense of perfection is the process. Perfection is the process. Supreme excellence is the process. Never be done, never over and commit absolutely commit to this path and I have every single day since having designed this for myself I have found it found out that I cannot stay in bed I, you cannot force me to stay in bed I have so much to do I have so much life to live I have so much joy and infectious infectiousness to get done then it's just why on earth would I waste my time watching dulling myself with narcotics or superficialities of ridiculous fast food and ridiculous fast sex and porn and fast relationships and and fast and meaningless meaningless things in this life it's like i want to live at the deepest thread that i possibly can i want to experience the deepest experience that is available and i get this because i'm on a path of supreme excellence and i'm trying to make sure that other people have the best life that they possibly can it's like i do the best that i can for me which will allow me to do the best that i can for others that's it. That's really it. And by the time that I'm dead, by the time that I'm done, I'll make sure that I have no regrets. I, 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 at this stage in life, at 30 years old, I have no regrets. Do I have a lot of mistakes? Yes. Have I made a lot of mistakes? Yes. Have I learned from them? Yes. Am I still making mistakes? Yes. But do I have any regrets? No. There is nothing in my life that I would go back and say that I need to change because everything has led me to this moment now and I'm very excited about continuously making more changes to keep improving. The path of supreme excellence. That's it. So we're going to end this podcast here. When I look at the two clients that I've shown you to offer, well, one that I'm intimately related with and one that has been a client in the past. Client Z, keep doing what you're doing. Keep refining your path of supreme excellence. Keep respecting and honoring your dance of masculine and feminine energy. Client X, you need to find that for yourself. You might listen to this podcast. Uh, I, don't, I don't respect any perspective that disrespects women, that inherently sees women as stupid or deeply worth resenting right because that is an immature defensive projectionary method to avoid the pain within yourself okay if you are deeply resenting women it is because you are avoiding something some deep realization that needs to be had inside internally you have fallen off the path of supreme excellence are there women that are that do and say resentful things yes of course but does that mean that all women are deeply resentful no and that need to be deeply resentful. Of course not. Of course not. My mother and my wife are 
absolutely outstanding beings that I'm so grateful to have in my life. Just two examples of women that are far cry from being considered resentful and worth resenting. Okay. You need to heal. You need to heal. You need to get back on the path of supreme excellence. And I encourage all of you in your 2024. All right, make sure you've got a couple of days now. You've got a couple of days as of recording this to consolidate your 2023, design your 2024, go back to my end of year, go back to my 2022 video on how to review your life for a little bit more tactics on end of life review, but this has been pretty good. You could basically just take today's podcast and ride with that. But I want you all to have an amazing 2024 and I thank you all so much for being here. I'm sending you my love, peace and joy. It's a beautiful life. I'm grateful to have you here. So, I'll see you next year. Until then, wishing you the absolute best. Ciao. And that brings me to my thanks for all of you. Thank you, first off, for just being here, your presence. But please let me know. Let me know in a comment down below where you are in your lives, how you felt about this, any commentary. I'll do my best to get back as soon as I possibly can. And also, if you did enjoy the content, please hit the thumbs up on the YouTube video. It just helps it get sent out to more people in the community. And if you feel like this would resonate with someone else, please share it to some of your close friends. If you would like to dive into one-on-one coaching, it's all available on boldojo.com. Guided meditation, free resources of wisdom, free weekly on my newsletter, bold sip. Just chuck your email in, comes out every Friday. That's all available, all the links down below. And if you would like to support the podcast directly, you can donate anything that you wish through the PayPal link down below or on the website, boldojo.com in the podcast section. Anything that you guys give is always super appreciated. So I thank you very much. Wishing you all the love, peace, and joy in this life.